Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, today I want to have a conversation about something that I don't believe we've talked about in any of our 125 episodes prior, at least this specific topic. And what I want to start with before I dive into it, which is kind of the starting point of the church, which is everything about our faith essentially comes down to two categories. God is love and try to accomplish more love and that we are a faith of life and promoting more life in itself is a great act of love. So with this conversation, what I want to bring up here, I have no idea where the technology is at anymore. Um, it's something I have not been up to date on, but what I'd like to discuss is the, not the concept, but the actual use of stem cells in modern medicine, what that means, because we're hearing about all of these reports about how stem cell therapy is helping people grow and become healthier from things that we didn't even dream were accomplishable 10, 15 years ago. Now, that being said, I have no idea where the stem cells come from. I do know the last time I checked while ago that there was essentially two sources. It can, you can like get it from your blood somehow of an adult, um, which I have no idea if that ever developed. And then the other one, which is certainly not something I'm promoting here, but the other source of stem cells was, um, was fetuses that, that normally were aborted. So with that being said, I don't know where any of this technology is at, um, but I wanted to figure, since it is an element of our life right now, if we could have a conversation about it. Yeah, thanks, Joe. It's a, it's a great topic, and I'm, uh, I'd say, positive that we haven't discussed it before. And I will start off, as I have on many previous episodes, saying, uh, uh, now I do have a background in science, and I understand those things. I'm by no means an expert in medicine and <laughs> and uh, certain elements of biology. and um, But I have looked into this particular issue for a, a few reasons. One is that it is an issue that comes up uh, with a moral dimension. And that's just as a little side note, something worth talking about in terms of the church's role in science. We have talked about that on some different occasions. Uh, the church actually actively has promoted science. The first um, society of scientists was in the Vatican, the, the Society of the Lynxes, as they were called, which became the Pontifical Academy of the Sciences. One of the first bright lights of the Society of, uh, of Lynxes was Galileo Galilei. He was employed by the church and part of the church's society on science. <laughs> so, Again, just to break people's categories open a little bit, since this uh, artificial divide between faith and science or between church and science has really captured people's imaginations, but it's so uh, false, really. It's distorted, I should say. It's very distorted. So what is the church's role in science? Uh, one of the main things that the church does is, is always remind us about some basic principles it's an, it's an obvious truth that just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. Apply this to your own life. <laughs> you can kill your wife. You shouldn't kill your wife. You know, just to say it really simply, 
there are cans that are not should. So the same thing obviously applies to science. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. And so where do we get the shoulds from? Well, a lot of that is, is just natural law. Uh, if you have a heart that's open to truth and you're a human being, then you have access to a truth that also involves a moral truth. Ultimately, uh, that was expressed in, in every culture in one way or another in the Judeo-Christian uh, expression of it. We talk about it being the Ten Commandments. So just the, the teaching of natural law uh, what is accessible to unaided reason in regard to the shoulds, the oughts, the, the moral requirements. And the church is always proclaiming that. Uh, so saying, okay, well, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. So for example, in the world of stem cells, there was a lot of enthusiasm 20 years ago about the possibilities of embryonic stem cells. And the reason is uh, embryonic stem cells, think about it. There was a time that you were a one-celled organism. We all started out as a zygote, a fertilized egg. An egg is a half a cell and a sperm is a kind of half a cell. And together they make this one-celled organism called a zygote. That's a human being. Now that one cell turned into your whole person. At some point, all of those different cells, as they divided, also differentiated and specialized. So that one cell became, uh, at some point, skin cells, and at some point, bone cells, and at some point, liver cells, and at some point, you know, brain cells, you know, nerve cells. So, uh, so somehow, a, one, a single cell can differentiate itself and specialize and become a whole bunch of different cells. And it does that in a pretty amazing way. You know, you grew like arms and legs and hearts and lungs and all of this stuff. And so the, in the scientific imagination, I'm, and I use that word in the, in the best possible sense, when scientists, when a doctor is dreaming of like, how can I heal? I need something that can create human cells. When somebody has damage because they had a heart attack and their heart tissue was damaged, well, how do we create new heart tissue? Where do we get new heart tissue from? Or, or in the brain, we know that brain cells uh, and nerve cells tend not to reproduce. I forget exactly the, all of the dimensions of that. They do under some conditions or something like that. But basically, they don't tend to reproduce. What you have in your gray matter is what you will ever have. And it just, some of it dies. And so how do we create, if somebody has a stroke, the blood supply is cut off, you lose a bunch of brain matter, how do you grow that back? So the medical imagination says, wow, if we had these kind of stem cells, cells that generate more cells, we could grow this tissue back. That would be amazing. So, and then the most undifferentiated cell, you can have a single stem cell, an embryonic stem cell, and that can turn into anything. I forget what there are, 200 and some different kinds of cells, something like that. Uh, but that embryonic stem cell can turn into anything. So like that is the wild card, you know, that is the, 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 the magic formula that, that creates human life. So if we can get that thing to a place, it'll like create cells of any kind. So that seemed to be the dream that scientists went for the gold. And the problem is that how do you get embryonic stem cells? Well, 
you don't get it unless you kill embryos. So that's now once you have the stem cells, there's a way that you can kind of take them and create them and reproduce them and save them and then uh, use them later. So you don't necessarily have to kill an embryo every time you need embryonic stem cells, but you don't get embryonic stem cells without killing an embryo. Uh, they're looking for some other ways and uh, I, I haven't followed up. There was something about getting some of the, the, uh, the umbilical cord or the blood from the umbilical cord or something like that. There may be some other ways that they were trying to find, but basically when the technology was developing 20 years ago, the only way you get embryonic stem cells is by killing an embryo. <clears throat> and so of course, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And whenever you have to kill human life, it's, it's always a, a moral problem. So that's where all of the discussion and debate, all of the tension started to emerge because the, the church was a voice for the voiceless. Who gets to protest on, you know, the embryo can't speak for itself. If I were going to kill you, Joe, to harvest your organs, you might have something to say about that. And you're, by the way, a bit bigger than I am, and I might have a hard time actually pulling that off. You can defend yourself, you can fight for yourself, but an embryo can't fight for itself. Who fights for an embryo? Well, the church is the champion of the little ones. And the church was loud and clear in saying, you can't kill that embryo. Just because he can't speak and he can't fight back doesn't mean that he deserves to die in order to be a, a therapeutic uh, approach for you. So. That was where things generated. As uh, one more little side note, when that all happened, that came before President Bush, the elder, the younger, I can't remember now, I think the older one, um, the original President Bush. And he, he had to make a decision about whether to allow this research to continue. I think in particular whether federal funding would be used for it. And primarily this stuff all works with federal funding. The National Institute of Health and um, those kinds of organizations provide a ton of research money. So he was making that decision and he actually consulted the Pope. He, he met with uh, Pope John Paul at the time and tried to get some, you know, to understand the issue more clearly and, and how to work through this. And eventually he made the decision that the government would fund embryonic stem cell research that used only the existing, there were like seven cell lines that had already been taken from harvested embryos. That is to say, murdered children in the womb. Let's just make it blunt and explicit that way. But they already had the cell lines. They didn't need to kill any more human beings to get more cell lines. He would pay for funding that used those existing cell lines. That's its own moral dis discernment. And Pope John Paul would not have promoted that. But it sort of fits into a little bit of a gray area. It's kind of like using the research that the Nazis did in concentration camps. And there was a decision made by the international community we're going we're gonna to throw all that research away because we just can't, it seems to justify the means and we can't even give the impression that we're doing that. It's so horrific, the human experimentation that took place in those concentration camps. So, um, so his decision was a little bit dubious, but he was doing it to, to remain within a certain moral boundary, at least to resist the killing of any further embryos. So that was the 
decision made at that time. <clears throat> now, something interesting developed in the meantime, and you made reference to this already, Joe, and it also muddied the waters a little bit because stem cell research became associated, became synonymous with embryonic stem cell research. If you ever heard people talk about stem cell research, they would just always refer to that, and people always thought embryonic stem cell research. In the meantime, scientists figured out, well, actually, you can, you can harvest your own stem cells. You, can't, you just can't harvest the, they're called pluripotent. That means pluri is, is all, and potent is, has a potential. So the embryonic stem cells are pluripotent. That means they have the potential to become any other cell. Um, we don't have any of those left in our bodies, but we do have stem cells of every kind. We have bone marrow stem cells, and we have blood stem cells, and we have heart stem cells, and we have uh, even nerve stem cells. And we have, if you know where to get them, you can get stem cells of every kind in the human body. And that turns out to be a huge win. And so while uh, there was all of this fighting over federal funding for embryonic stem cells, a number of researchers just forged ahead and said, well, let's use adult stem cells and then just you already get the specialized stem cell, but they're able to grow more cells. And the research results have been amazing using adult stem cells. There have been, uh, I, I saw a presentation 12, 13 years ago on the amazing things that were already being done with adult stem cells at that time. And I know that it's only become more uh, perfected and, and more broadly applied in the, in the last decade plus. Uh, so the results have been amazing. The last I knew, there was not one single positive result from using embryonic stem cells, not one. <laughs> so you see, you know, the people complain about, well, if you follow morality, you know, we're taking the power away from medicine and science and all of these other things. This kind of dream of having one stem cell that can do everything has given way to the reality of having adult stem cells which do the right thing and don't require immoral means to get them. So let me just give you two examples. Um, one is in regard to, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the one more recently, there's a seminarian at our seminary, he's a little older vocation, a lot of damage to his knees, bone on bone, uh, there's, there's uh, very little tissue left in there, but there was enough tissue that they could get uh, cartilage stem cells. I think I'm getting that right. Uh, but anyway, stem cells from a different part of his body, I think cartilage, and they were able to insert that into his knees. And then the cartilage in his knees is growing back on its own. And uh, he, so without having knee surgery or a knee replacement, he's actually grown back his own knee tissue. And they told him when they started this, this uh, stem cell therapy for him, they said, your chances of having drastically improved knee quality are 100%. And he said, you know, I worked in medicine. Nothing is 100% in medicine. They said it's 100%. And sure enough, in his case, uh, it's about six months later. He was not able to kneel. He was not able to go up and down stairs. Uh, he wasn't able to do, he had very limited motion with his knees. Now he's kneeling at every mass. He's moving up and down the stairs with no problem. His knees, and they say 
the healing could continue for up to a year uh, from from when he started. So he's got another six months of improvement potentially left. So one experience that I know personally. Another example of what they can do with stem cells. And the amazing things is, is the stem cells actually seek out the damaged tissue. And so for somebody who has a heart attack, they can take uh, heart tissue, stem cells from, and I forget, they get things from interesting places. Uh, like it might even be from the bone marrow and the hip or something. I don't know. Anyway, they, they get the stem cells in a in a procedure that's very safe and not very invasive. You can, I think, draw it with a, a needle or something. I'm probably getting that wrong. But anyway, it's it's not complicated. You don't have to cut people open. You can draw stem cells in a, in a very reasonable way. And then uh, all you have to do is insert it near the heart. And the stem cells actually seek out the damaged tissue in the heart and begin to repair the damage on their own. And they had results, this was 13 years ago when I was seeing this presentation, and they had incredible results from people who had like 60% damage or something, and, and it was almost entirely healed. And so adult stem cells have proven to be an extremely fruitful therapy, totally moral, and even replacing surgeries, using the body's own power to heal the body's own cells and just kind of doing the work to move cells from one place to another to get them close to the damaged tissue. Embryonic stem cells, as far as I know, have still shown no results. And there still are the battles about, you know, getting those things. As you said earlier, aborted fetuses uh, are a prime target. The idea of harvesting human beings in order to use them to serve other human beings sets up a kind of caste system why does one deserve to live and one deserve to die? Those are the kinds of moral distinctions that, that undermine our whole sense of, of human dignity and work against the plan of God. So that's why that's so fiercely fought by the church. Okay, that was my way too long monologue. Let me uh, invite you in. Hopefully I sketched out the territory well enough for all of that. You certainly did. So uh, to start with that caste system element you mentioned, we've touched upon that concept a lot. Anytime you're dividing people to be above another just because someone arbitrarily says so is always wrong. Um, so that's going back to the discussion we had as part of why communism was evil. I'm um, just getting into, into all of that, mm. but to dive into the specifics of what you just talked about here, um, sitting back and now hearing what you said and trying to look at this from a, a, a builder's perspective, which is part of what I do, it would make sense that, the less customization you need to do on a particular project, the better it ends up being. So in the world of, of building a house, if you have to custom make every piece of trim, the chances of getting that to work perfect throughout a house is not going to happen. Like it's just not going to work. But if you can already have trim that is going to match throughout your property, you can easily put it in and make it work. So by fine, you just need to figure out where it is. So it's just hidden down in the garage underneath 30 other things, but you, you find it and it'll make the rest of the house look better. So you saying there that our body has it, they're hidden in places that doctors didn't know how to look for them because they weren't even looking for them for the longest time. They now found them. It makes sense that your own cells like themselves. 
because if you look at at the other way, uh, embryonic stem cells are someone else's cells by definition, and your body fights things that are foreign to it. It's what happens. It's my understanding of what cancer is, is your own cells think they're other people's cells, so they fight them. So under your body's own defense system, if you will, it will fight what you're trying to fix, which is putting someone else's stem cells into you. But if your body already has yours and it's able to say, okay, we already have cells that are down the production line of being blood cells or bone cells and we're going to fix your messed up bone. Well, that makes sense. It's less customization. It's going to work better and it's already designed for you. So from that just practicality at working standpoint makes a lot of sense to me about why you're saying that there's results. And it also would make sense to me that your body already has these things in it because for the longest time, we had no idea how we fixed ourselves. It just kind of happened uh, and it works. Well, this is just probably the science digging a little bit deeper than a generic title of immune system, but to figure out a little bit deeper, like whenever chemists and biologists had a better microscope. Well, now we saw deeper into stuff that we didn't even know existed like photons and stuff like that. Um, you just learn more by studying upon it and it happens everywhere else in the world. It, it would make sense that it would happen here. You know, I remember, yeah, I think it was like 2000 ish. We were talking about how the world would never have any oil again. Everything would be gone. All the things would be dry. Well, at the time cars were getting 18 miles a gallon and now they're getting 33. So, you get improvement as it goes along and it makes a lot of sense. So that's why I wanted to bring this up because you described the fact that most people earlier are when they hear stem cells, they think embryonic stem cells and therefore equating to the same analogy you did before, it's coming from a place of pure evil. Don't even engage. It's not going to be helpful, but you just articulate here. That's not the case anymore. It's coming from yourself. Uh, your body just doesn't, hasn't gotten those stem cells from point A to point B. Essentially a doctor is just being a delivery car and taking them from there to there. And they're letting the stem cells do their work. So that from everything you just said, no moral problem there. I mean, you just got to deal with the pain of a incision and an incision and that's it. That seems to make a lot of sense. So the part that I think I gathered the most from this was in the beginning, shutting down the road that was immoral. Sure, at the time, probably made a lot of people angry because they thought they had this golden beacon on the hill. This will get it there. But now I got to take this long detour around and I'm, I, and it's going to be more expensive, more effort, more everything else. But in reality, the way they wanted to go never would have worked anyway. And it's sometimes just fighting for what's important up front gives so much better results in the long term in all aspects of life. But that was one of the big takeaways, aside from the morality of the specific issue, that I took away from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, I love your analogy with building, too. That's, uh, uh, yeah, the, the more we've already got the the things that are made for it you know why why are we doing more specialization 
um, or, or doing more work. And I'm not sure, uh, just to be clear, that the, the rejection issues are necessarily there. I think it was one of the reasons that stem cells seem so positive. What you were saying uh, applies very much to somebody else's organ that was generated from somebody else's cells. If I stick a whole organ into my body, then the immune system attacks it and you need to take non-rejection drugs. I think there was something about the stem cells, the fact that um, they, they could work with your DNA. Anyway, there, there seems to me that there was something about that. Um, but the thing that held back the embryonic stem cells, somehow they needed specialized conditions. If you think about an embryo, the space that it's in, how fragile all of that is, that when you stuck an embryo into a human being, a fully grown human being or embryonic stem cells that somehow the environment was never quite the right one and and uh, they couldn't get this that was the other thing is they couldn't get it to stop dividing it would create a kind of cancerous thing which is part of what cancer is is that it's a cell that keeps dividing beyond what it should and so since pluripotent embryonic stem cells are planning to create whole human beings not just select amounts of tissue somehow there would, it would get out of control and they were never able to sort of get that under control. In the meantime, they found adult stem cells do exactly what you want. They create a select amount of stuff. You're not growing whole organs back. You just need to heal tissue. And so uh, our, our goals are a little more modest. And so the, the tools can be a little more modest. And, you know, then everything you said about the in in some way we would say it's ironic in another way we say well god's not trying to make it harder on us i mean uh the fact that the moral method is also the most effective one is <laughs> we should be used to that by now having lived in the con context of our faith for uh for this many millennia but uh yeah it's really a, a wonderful area to look into in terms of the stem cell therapies that are still emerging. I mentioned uh, the seminarian. I think his insurance would not. I forget how it worked. Anyway, there's some. There's some. Uh, like it's these therapies are being used full scale in Canada, but they haven't been approved everywhere in the U.S. Anyway, they're like sort of on the verge. Some of the, some of them are already being used and fully accepted insurance, etc. Some of them are still emerging. Need to have more you know, trials and go through the whole FDA system and things like that. But it's it's really cutting edge medical technology using adult stem cells in order to provide healing for a lot of the things in our bodies. The embryonic stem cells, uh, as I said, I uh, have not produced results at all, I think. It, if anything, they're way, way behind what the adult stem cells are able to do. So... Partially of the message moving forward is is that science eventually realized that doing they're going to go to what's working and what's working is not the embryonic route. What's working is adult stem cells. So with as part of the takeaway from this is that if yourself or someone else is having a discussion about this and a potential treatment on the table for them, you know, don't immediately dismiss it out of hand. You know, we, we had a priest who wasn't able to walk and now is able to fully enjoy the use of his knees again. And that's a priest. So therefore it checked the moral boxes. 
So something to consider moving forward. I mean, obviously, I'm not a commercial for it, but it's something that you know I felt that would be have a good conversation to have. So I thank you for having it with us here today, Father. I thank everyone sticking in with us, being a, a day late on today's release, and we'll be it with you again here Tuesday of next week.